Have you ever clenched your hand in a tight fist and shaken it furiously at the sky? What if I told you it was gonna snow again? Yeah, me too. Living in the Northeast means dealing with winter, and we understand and accept that. But come on! Welcome to the Metro Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Flanagan. The first day of spring is determined by the spring equinox, which is the moment, if you will, when the northern hemisphere of the Earth tilts back towards the sun, causing us to get longer, sunnier days. This happens every year around March 20th when it never feels like spring, and freezing temperatures and snowstorms can stretch easily into April. It's got a lot of people wondering, is climate change prolonging winter? We have been in a pattern that has been very persistent in bringing uh, colder than normal and wetter than normal weather into the northeastern United States. That's Anthony Broccoli. Yes, Broccoli. And he's a professor in the Department of Environmental Sciences at Rutgers University. When it comes to weather, he's a full front of knowledge. Well, first of all, my training is uh, originally in meteorology and uh, understanding the atmosphere, its circulation, what causes weather um, is where I was originally trained. And um, as my education continued, I became more interested in climate. And climate is really just the statistics of weather over longer periods of time. And uh, my training in meteorology prepared me well for focusing my research activities on climate. And specifically, what I'm most interested in is trying to understand the mechanisms that um, allow climate to change and cause climate to change. Okay, so Anthony is definitely an authority, and he wastes no time in setting this late-season climate change theory straight. I don't think there's universal agreement that the overall warming is responsible for what we're seeing. And there's even, I, I think, some uncertainty as to whether or not this could just be some natural fluctuation that just by luck and in the eye of the beholder, whether that luck is bad luck or good luck, I guess. Um, just by luck, we've had a lot of storms during this, this past month. Aw, oh, man. I was so sure my righteous indignation over something as fickle as the weather was not only justified, but properly directed and well spent. Not quite. The thing that I think is important to remember is that the the greater variability of weather that we see in winter is not something that's going to go away in a warming climate. So I will confidently predict that in the future, in the decades to come, there are going to still be many cold winter days. Uh, We saw some really cold weather around the very end of December and the very beginning of January. Those cold spells may be less frequent in the future, but we still will have them. So uh, global warming is not going to abolish the normal variability that brings us periods of cold, where things are colder than average, and periods where things are warmer than average. Damn, 
but I'm not completely off base. Anthony says there is a hypothesis that the warming of the Arctic has caused the jet stream, the thing that steers weather systems across the planet, to get stuck in one place. So you end up with weather patterns that repeat themselves, like my local weatherman calling for more snow every other week. There is, however, more consensus that the planet is getting warmer. If we go back in time, say 20,000 years, Anthony says the planet was only about four to six degrees colder than it is now. And back then, ice sheets covered most of North America. The 20th century saw a global increase of about one degree. And Anthony says we've sped up that process over the past few decades, warming about two tenths of a degree every 10 years. The primary cause of the rise in temperature over the last several decades has been the increase in greenhouse gases, primarily carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And that extra carbon dioxide is there primarily because of the combustion of fossil fuels, uh, oil, coal, natural gas. And in that context, business as usual means that uh, our primary source of energy remains fossil fuels. And so emissions of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere continue to increase. Hold on. Last time I checked, there wasn't 100% consensus on what was causing the planet to warm. And because of that lack of consensus, many have pointed to that as a reason to question the entire climate change theory. But Anthony says, eh, that's science for you. My experience as a scientist is that it's very hard to get 100% of scientists to agree on anything. Uh, because what we tend to focus on are areas where our knowledge is incomplete. And if you had asked me this question 40 years ago, uh, more uncertainty about what was happening would have been warranted. But a lot of research has taken place since that time. The world has continued to warm since that time, just as was expected on the basis of carbon dioxide being the primary cause of that warming. So at this point, I don't think there is uh, any solid reason for doubt about what the cause of the bulk of this warming has been. The important thing to remember when it comes to the progressive increase of global temperatures is that different areas will warm at different rates, like the Arctic in the Northern Hemisphere, which Anthony points out has been experiencing higher rates of warming than most tropical areas and even the Southern Hemisphere, including Antarctica. He says it's all about where you sit, latitude-wise, that determines the effects you're going to feel. But even here, where we're still talking about a, an overall warming of maybe one to two degrees Celsius over the course of the last hundred years, what that's doing is shifting the odds away from us getting cold weather and towards getting warmer weather. So we've seen temperatures in both winter and summer 
trending upward in this area. Uh, and um, that means we have much greater opportunities to break high temperature records than we do low temperature records. More than fluctuation in temperature, Anthony says the most challenging crisis is the rise in sea levels. As the climate warms, the water in the ocean becomes less dense, takes up more space. Warm water takes takes up more space, rather. Warm water takes up more space than cold water. In addition, uh, glaciers in the mountains and uh, parts of the ice sheets over Greenland and Antarctica have been melting. And that contributes extra water into the ocean that raises sea level. So uh, here in the New York, New Jersey area, sea level has risen about 12 to 18 inches over the last century. That is making the impacts of storms, both uh, winter storms and hurricanes, worse because the storm surge that we get when the winds push that, the, the ocean waters towards the land are being added to an already higher sea level. So sea level rise is a very challenging problem. A large fraction of the world's population lives close to sea level. Some of our biggest cities, some of the cities that are most important economically, like New York, are uh, right at sea level. And um, sea level rise is probably the, the change that has the biggest potential impact on society. And he says a higher sea level is even more dangerous when ocean temperatures are rising as well. They're storms that derive their energy from the heat of the underlying ocean. And so the evidence we have does indicate that a warmer ocean will create storms that have the potential to be stronger and wetter. The best evidence that we have now is that that doesn't necessarily mean that there will be more storms. In fact, some of the evidence from our climate models suggests that there could be even fewer storms or maybe roughly the same number, but that the strongest of those storms will be stronger than they have been in the past. There's no doubt that there's still time to address some of the potentially worst consequences of climate change. Uh, the, the more carbon dioxide we put into the atmosphere, the more the climate will change. And uh, in terms of the disruption that this will make to ecosystems, to society, to uh, everything that we do, the smaller the change, the, the less serious the impacts. And to lessen the impacts, Anthony says we can all do something to slow global warming. The key is to not get paralyzed by the enormity of the situation. You know, if if someone goes to the doctor and the doctor says that uh, it would be good for them to lose weight because they're 40 pounds overweight, the doctor isn't going to say that, well, if you can't lose 40, losing 20 isn't good enough. Um, everything we can do to reduce 
the impact of climate change is beneficial. So uh, I don't think we should look at it as a point of no return. And once we reach that point, we throw up our hands and say, we're not going to worry about it anymore. I think a better way to think about it is that the climate system operates on a time delay. So what will happen in the future is determined by things that have already happened in the past. We can't wait until we decide the climate is too extreme for our taste and then decide to hit the brakes. If we don't want a world that's three or four degrees warmer in the future, we have to think about ways of reducing the growth of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And that comes from either reducing carbon dioxide emissions uh, by switching to other, other types of energy or finding a way to remove carbon dioxide uh, after the fossil fuel has been burned. And the surest way to do that based on what we know now is to just try to reduce emissions. Next winter, I'm going to look for a battery-powered snowplow. Now, if only they'd improve the life of lithium batteries. Thank you for listening. Want more of the Metro Focus podcast in your ear? Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please remember to like Metro Focus on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a question for me or any of the Metro Focus staff, Ask us on Twitter with hashtag MetroFocus.